You are listening to the audio from Grace Bible Church. This audio message is a recording from our Sunday morning worship service. We hope you enjoy. So if you have your Bibles, I'd encourage you to turn into the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, We're going to be hanging out there this morning. If you don't have a copy of God's Word with you, I'd encourage you to take that black pew Bible there right in front of you. You can turn to page 959 and you'll be able just to follow along as we walk through uh, our portion of Scripture today. So over the past few months, um, I have volunteered as an assistant coach for my daughter's soccer team. So if you've, if you've ever coached youth soccer or watched youth soccer, uh, one of the hardest things that young players must learn uh, is to know and to stay in their position. So if any of you have watched your kids or you've got grandkids and you're going to games... Most soccer games for 8- to 10-year-olds are the equivalent of herding cats, right? Because they all want a piece of the action, right? And they all go toward the ball. So the question, um, I'm on the sideline. I'm trying to coach as much as I can. Listen, like, I'm not the strategy guy. I'm more of the rah-rah, encourage guy. The head coach, Steve, teaches them things. I just kind of try to help whenever I can. So, but the thing that I ask often, I'll just yell, where is your home? Where are you supposed to be? Feel like Happy Gilmore, like get it, get in your home kind of thing, because the kids are running everywhere. And we've seen when our kids stay in position, when they do what they're told and nothing else. Like we've had some really awesome plays and have scored some exciting goals, but the moments that our kids, that our players, begin doing things that they weren't asked to do, or being in a position that we never asked them to play. We've given up some pretty ugly ones as well. So it's like that you're excited when things go well. Man, when things don't, it's like, oh, all right, let's try again. And in the meantime, remembering they're 8 years old or 10 years old. So try not to get on them too hard. But we regularly go back to and practice the fundamentals of position and placement, hoping that sooner or later it's going to click and that our players understand that when they operate within their gifting and the roles given to them by their coaches, this will lead to the entire team's success. My friends, if we're honest this morning, and I'm not calling you all girls, but many churches operate like my daughter's soccer team. Some of us are playing out of position. Some of us flock toward the ball to be recognized. Some of us are unsatisfied with the assignment our coach has given us to play. Some of us are ready just to give up on the team and go home. My friends, whether you have felt this way or you feel this way now, God has a word for you this morning. See, in 1 Corinthians 9, uh, 12, 19 through 31, God speaks to four different types of people that you will find in every church setting. He'll speak to the person who thinks everyone should be like them, that they should have the same gifting, that they should have the same desires, that they should want the same things and live out out the Christian walk the same way. He'll speak to those who feel unworthy and unsatisfied with how God has made them. He'll also speak to the person that that is so happy and so self-sufficient with the gifts that they have, that they believe that other people are unnecessary, that the church could run without them. 
And lastly, God's going to speak to the person who feels like they have to do everything. And friends, if we're honest, most of us have felt those feelings at some point in our Christian life. And as the Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, he wants to remind them of certain truths. And every single person, the, the answer to their problems isn't just to buck up, isn't just to get your attitude right. Paul brings them back to something that, that is true about God, something that God has for them or has done for them. And this morning, what, what, what I really want to do as we walk through this passage is to remind you of some important things that God has done in you and for you. And in doing so, I'm gonna, we're going to find, help find your place in the body of Christ. And the one thing that we're going to go back to again and again is this idea that every believer has a place and a part in the body of Christ. Every believer. Not just the ones that are gifted a certain way, not, not the ones who seem to, seem to have certain abilities and leadership, whatever it may be. Every single believer, every one of you, if you are a follower of Jesus today and you call Grace Bible Church your spiritual home, God has a place for you here. And God has a part for you to play. And as we walk through this passage, we are going to see just that. So before we dig in, let's just pray one more time. Ask God's blessing upon our time in his word today. So Heavenly Father, God, I thank you, Lord, for your kindness today. I thank you, Lord, for just the understanding, Father, that's, that you had when, when you led Paul to write this letter. Because, Lord, church is messy and, and church is hard and it's easy to feel unwanted and unloved and unsatisfied, God, with how you have made us. It's easy for us to, to push back against people that are different from us, Father. God, it's easy to, to forget, Lord, that whatever gifting, whatever position, whatever role you've given to us, Lord, it's been given to us by you. And so, God, Lord, I pray today, Lord, that our pride would just step out of the way. And that we would look at the body of Christ, at this local church, Father, maybe in a different perspective and point of view this morning. That we would celebrate, God, what you've done and what you're doing within our midst. God, and you would lead all of us to find what our place in the body of Christ may be. That we may serve you there, joyfully, honoring other people, Lord, who have different gifts. But God, I thank you, Lord, that you've designed all of this to work together as well. It is a beautiful picture of the goodness of God and the power of the gospel. So God, would you just work through your word, God, in our hearts, God, during our time this morning. And we pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. So church, the first person that you will find in every church, and you, find it, and you will find it here, is a person that believes that everyone should be like them, or everyone should be like me. You guys know by now we have a set of twin girls, and when they were growing up, we thought it was really cool to dress them alike. Um, that was cool for a time. Now the girls are like, listen, I'm my own person, I have my own style, whatever. They don't dress alike as much anymore. But friends, there are people with, within the church who believe that everyone should share their same preferences, 
their same passions, their same personality. They should like the same music. They should, they should have the same point of view on things. They should want the same things. They should be gifted in the same way. And that they believe that the church would be better off if everyone could just agree and be like them. It's almost like this false humility and false unity piece. Because they'll say, I just want everyone to agree. But when you dig down a little bit deeper, it's, no, I want you to agree with me. I want you to be like me. I want you to see things the way that I see them. I want you to have the same desires that I have. And Paul writes right off the bat and says, listen, yeah, these people, yes, they're in the church and they're a real thing, but this isn't how God designed it to be. Look, look with me in verses 12 through 14. 1 Corinthians 12, beginning at verse 12, says this. It says, for just as one body, as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit you were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. So friends, from the very beginning here, Paul uses this analogy that he's going to carry throughout the rest of the chapter. Can you guys, did did you, you guys catch it? What exactly is Paul referring to? referring the church to be like. Can I see it from those verses? Someone, someone tell me. What is it? I heard some whispers. What is it? The body. All right, good, good, good. Yes, exactly. Paul, Paul is going to use this picture throughout the rest of this passage, and he keeps on going back to the body. He says, for just as the body has many members, so it is with Christ. So it is with the body of Christ. And so he said, yes, many different members, many different organs, many different systems make up the body. So it's a bunch of people, a bunch of things making up one thing. And so he says that, that's the same thing with the church as well. And listen, I'm no doctor, but the human body, I've just done research. I haven't like done anything besides that. I Googled this. The human body consists of more than 200 bones. 650 skeletal muscles, 210 different types of cells. It contains different systems like our nervous system, our cir circulatory system, and our respiratory systems, all which play a vital role. One of those go down, you're not going to be in good shape. Each organ and body part is distinct in appearance, in function, in position, and placement within the body. But even though they're so different, God designed each piece to have a specific function and role. And those different parts are what give and sustain life within the body. So Paul says, he probably gives us the best picture we, we could have, is that our human bodies are made up of different organs, different muscles, different cells. And yes, they look different, they have different roles, they have different functions, um, they're placed within your body to do different things, but when they work together, it is a beautiful, beautiful design. And what we see here, and Paul reminds us, is that God delights in diversity. God delights in designing things that are different, coming together, 
and working out for the good of others and for the glory of God. Our bodies are a picture of God's wisdom and design and, and a diversity. So for the people that think, if everyone would just be like me, everything would be just fine, that's not how God intended things to be. And Paul reminds him of that in verse 13. He says, listen, God actually delights in bringing different people together into the body of Christ to make up his church. It says in verse 13, he says, look around. And, and remember, th this letter was written to a local body of believers, to a local church. This isn't, I don't think this here is talking about the, the capital C church, all believers for all time. I think this is talking about the local church, the gathering of believers. And so Paul says, look around, look at the people within your congregation. He says, Greeks and Jews, two very different types of people. Slaves and free, two very different types of people. But at the moment of conversion, at the moment of belief in Jesus, they are baptized into the body of Christ. And, that, and, and then they're given spiritual gifts by the Spirit to help function, to help for the good of that local body. Look around here. The only time I'm going to tell you to look around. Otherwise, up here. But now, look around. Look around. As within this audience right now, we have a ton of different people. We have people from different generations, from different backgrounds, from different ethnicities and races. We have white-collar and blue-collar workers sitting in the same pew. We have people with different giftings and abilities doing life together and ministering to others. So instead of trying to force everyone to look like you and to have your opinion and think the way that you do, God actually instructs us to celebrate that diversity, is to actually embrace the fact that people are different. We are one body with different parts, roles and functions, and this is how God has designed us to be, to use those different gifts, talents, abilities, and spiritual gifting to build others up and bring God glory. And only when we all work together does the body function as it should. So for that first person who agrees, who thinks everyone should be like me, God's response is, listen, I don't work that way. I actually bring, I actually delight in diversity. I bring people together. I take people from different backgrounds and giftings, and I put them into one local body so that people will know, one, the power of the gospel that God can transform hearts, that God can bring unity out of disunity. But he says each person has a role and is needed, even though they're distinct and different. Person number two. The second person that Paul addresses is a person that asks God, why did you make me this way? Let's read verses 15 through 17. So it says, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an, were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? Now listen, it's kind of humorous to think that, you know, your foot is talking. Um, 
man, I'm stuck in the shoe all day. This is the worst. Everything else. No, I mean, it just, I mean, I, I laugh when I, the Bible's funny. But that analogy, man, speaks so, so well to what many of us often feel, doesn't it? How many of us have ever thought, man, because I'm not that guy, because I don't have that role, because I don't have that gifting, because I can't do those things, is it even worth me being here? Am I even part of the body? And I, and I, love, and I love what Paul says, because they're thinking, I don't even belong to the body. But Paul says, whoa, whoa, whoa. Just because you think something doesn't make it true. Just because you think that I'm worthless or that, man, I, I just, I'm not noticed, doesn't make it true. And Paul says, you may think that you're, that, you're not, that you're outside of the body, but he's like, no, 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 you have a distinct part there. And listen, I, I get it. I have struggled with these thoughts often. I'll see another preacher and think, man, I wish I could preach like that guy. I'll see another, someone at church um, who does a phenomenal job at connecting with people. Be like, man, that's my job. I'm the connections pastor. That guy does it way better than I do. I'll, I'll, I'll observe someone who works with their hands that can meet tangible needs and thinking, man, I wish, I wish I could do that. I wish, God, you had wired me that way. God, why didn't you? And listen, I can watch all the YouTube videos. I can do all that stuff. And I've made some progress in some things, but I, I know my lane. That is not it. I will never be on home improvement. I'll never be on any of those shows, and that's fine. But in the moment, we just we look at other people and be comparing to, to others and what they have. And all, and all it does is, is breed this sense of dissatisfaction and discontentment within our hearts. And, and you just ask, God, why did you make me this way? But I love, I love how God responds in verse 18. Look at Look at verse 18 with me, and it says, But as it is, God arranged the members in, in the body, each one of them, as he chose. I love, what, I love what Paul does here. Paul slows things down. He says, but as it is, he's like, this is reality. This is really what's, what's going on here. God arranged the members in the body. God designed you and put you exactly where he wants you to be. And I love what it says here, each one of them. He slows down, because he could have said, God arranged every, every member, but he slows down and says, every single one of you, I have chosen where you will go. God says, when you feel jealous, unwanted, and unworthy, he reminds us that, friend, you are not overlooked. You are not a mistake. And God has a specific reason and plan for how he has made you. Psalm 139.13 states, it says, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And for some of us, 
we need to commit that verse to memory and proclaim it when these feelings of discontent come over our, our hearts. And the thing that God wants you to know is that God has you exactly where he wants you. That within the body of Christ, God has you exactly where he wants you to be. The way that he's gifted you, the way that he's wired you, the position that you have, the role that you play, the function, the ministries that you're a part of, God has you exactly where he wants you to be. So when you wander into dissatisfaction with how God has gifted you, trust that God has you exactly where you should be. Trust his infinite wisdom. He's probably onto something. He knows why you're there. And trust his faithful love. He's not doing this to punish you. He's actually doing it so that you will flourish in that, in that position. And trust that God has a plan and a purpose for how he has made you. And friend, your greatest satisfaction isn't in doing or being something else, but in doing exactly what God has gifted and designed you to do. And so when we start comparing ourselves to others, when we start complaining that we're not, that, that we're not doing something else, God says, listen, I formed you. I knit you together in your mother's womb. I have brought you to this church. I know how you're gifted. I have placed you exactly where, you, where, where I want you to be, so just trust me. Trust that I'm good. Trust that, trust that my love for you is never failing, and that I have you exactly where you need to be. The third person that you will find in every single church is a person that's actually the exact opposite of, the, of, of number two, who feels unworthy and unsatisfied. Person number three is a person that thinks, I don't need anyone else. See, the last person was unhappy with how God has made them. And this person couldn't be happier. Like, I got this. It's like their gifts, their abilities, and their roles in the church, they actually feel that the church rolls or revolves around them. Like, they are the sun to everyone else. And that's what, and, and this person, their gifting and their leadership and their roles within the church, this is what holds the church together. And unfortunately, many of these people find themselves in leadership, areas of power and areas of, of influence. And, and let's, let's not be, let's be fair, they're gifted individuals. God has blessed them in, in, in various ways. But too often they forget their need, that they need other members. So let's read and see how God answers this person. Verse 21 through 24. Verse 21 says, The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. It says, On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we, we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. Listen, there, there's some words in there, dishonorable, weaker, unpresentable. 
Paul, remember, is talking about the body. There are some parts of the body that are easily seen, hands, head, um, whatever, arms, feet, you, you can see them. They're, they're an important part of the body. But then there's other parts of the body that you can't see, whether they're covered by clothes or covered by, by, by skin. They don't, they're not recognized as much as something that is visible. And it's easy for those people that have upfront ministries, it's easy for those people that, that are seen and recognized by people to begin thinking, yeah, I don't need those other parts that people don't really see. But just follow that logic with me for a second. If a hand says, I don't need my heart, you can't see it. What would happen if the heart is no more? What would happen if you, your liver shuts down? These parts that you can't see, but they, are, they play a vital role within the body of Christ, within, within the human body. God says, listen, you cannot have that same attitude when it comes to other people as well. Just think about this. So within our home, we, we have a lot of people over, a lot of people within our homes each week for life groups and everything. And my wife and I have this, we just have a system down. We know what people do, what, I know what she's going to do, I know what I'm going to do, and it, it just works. One, one of my jobs is to make sure that there's toilet paper in the downstairs bathroom where everyone uses. And listen, it is a small task. I don't announce it every time. It's not like I grab the, the, the new roll and be like, I am walking this toilet paper to the bathroom. Everyone look at me. No, I don't do that. That would be weird. <laughs> but what would happen if I didn't do that? It's kind of important, right? We've all had those moments where we've had to text our friends or make that cry for help because there's none there, right? All right, when things don't happen, it gets noticed. The same happens within the church. And Paul says that every member of the body is indispensable. Think about this for a second. So if our shut-ins who can't make it out to services on a regular basis, but they faithfully pray. If they all of a sudden stopped praying, you would feel it. Imagine the blessings God wouldn't bring. Imagine the people who wouldn't come to Christ. The baptisms we wouldn't see and the lack of unity that we would experience. The moment you take out that prayer, it changes what God does here. Or what would happen if our hospitality team didn't show up each week? No one was serving coffee. We'd probably all be a little more grumpy. I get it. You, you need that third cup. I get it. Or what if the people who who greeted people on the way in, or our parking lot, lot attendants, or, or our ushers, what if they simply were not there? Our, park, our parking lot would be a mess. People would walk away at the door who are anxious about stepping foot inside of our church, and all they need is a smiling face. But if that smiling face isn't there, I've seen it happen. People will just walk back and leave and never hear, never get the chance to hear 
the life-changing message of the gospel. Or think about this. Think about the nursery workers who faithfully watch our kids week in and week out. When they're not there, we know it. We all know it. But think about this. The parents who simply need a break, who, man, for an hour, can I just, like, send my kids somewhere, and can I be refreshed, and can I be encouraged? Those parents wouldn't have that opportunity. Our kids wouldn't have the opportunity to have another positive influence in their lives. If people who we think are, who we think are just weaker, yeah, just go, go watch some kids. Go, go be a greeter or go work in the parking lot. They are indispensable. So how do we, how do we respond to those people that seem to be weaker, but listen, they're not. They, are, they play a vital role within their church. How, how are we supposed to respond to them? And in verse, verse 24 through 26, it says, But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the church. There be no, I'm sorry, I just lost my spot. That there be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all suffer together. And if one member is honored, all rejoice together. So God calls us to honor and care for each member. Doesn't matter what their gifting is, doesn't matter what their role is within the church, we are called to care for and honor each person. So listen, we celebrate, we care for, and we recognize them for what they do, even if most people overlook them. We lift them up through public praise and sincere thanks. We feel their pain and celebrate their wins because they are part of who we are. Church, I want you to understand something. Every person, every member of this church is both needy and needed term that I got from, from a book by Ed Welsh, but I, but I love it because every person is, is needed. They are needed by someone else. They, they, they are needed to contribute to the overall function and, and, and success of the local body of believers, but we're also needy. We also need others. And the beautiful thing about the body of Christ is that each of us, there are certain things that you and I can and there are certain things that you and I can't do that other people provide. And so what we do when we, when, we, when we walk into a Sunday, we look for opportunities to thank, to go out of our way, to encourage, to say, hey, I see you. And I appreciate what you do. I mean, I can't tell you how many times text message or a, a, a card or an email comes through and all it says is, hey, I appreciate what you did. We all, we all need those moments, don't we? I remember walking into people's homes and someone else within the church, wasn't me, someone else within the church had, had written them a thank you note. That thing was on their fridge, like magneted up. It was special to them. It encouraged them. We need to have that same care and honor for each other. So we got one more person, and then, then we're going to wrap it up. 
last person that Paul addresses in this portion is a person that thinks, I have to do it all. We all know people like that, right? And some of them are like superheroes. They do everything. They can juggle everything. They can, they can you know, work at home. They can, they can have a side hustle. They can do all these things. And it's like the person who is a, who's, you know, holding on to spinning plates. And they're holding it all up. But friends, there are people within the church who feel like they need to do everything. That they have to have their hand involved in every single ministry. Be on every single committee. Sign up to serve on every single ministry team. And they feel that if they don't do that, they've somehow failed God. And we have people that burn out from ministry so quickly because they don't give themselves time to rest or the opportunity for someone else to serve. So the last person simply is a person that thinks, I can do all of it. Look how God responds to them in verse 27 through 30. It says, now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, uh, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. But then I, I love these questions. It says, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret? And Paul's asking these rhetorical questions, and the answer to all of those questions is no. The Apostle Paul, penned this letter, for as much as I've studied the New Testament, didn't do all these things. There were things he was gifted at, things that he did, but I don't think he did every single one of those things. And friend, for some of you, this is going to be a big relief. You don't have to do everything. Just take it and let it out. After all these years. You don't. You don't have to do it all. Because God reminds us of something. He says, God has called you to something bigger than yourself. Friends, the church isn't about any one person. Not any of us. And God hasn't gifted, gifted anyone here to do all the jobs, to do all of the things. What God has done is that he has designed a body that should be dependent upon each other. And so you, you, you look through that list and be like, well, I, I, I'm not great at administration, or I'm not great at healing, or I'm not great at this or that, whatever it may be. And Paul says, yeah, good, relax. You don't need to be. God has created it so that we are dependent upon other people. And friends, the kingdom of God is bigger than any one person. And it's only when we work together, it's only when we are dependent upon each other that our church will function as it should. And when we demand to go outside of our position, when we reject God's design, we keep someone else from serving the Lord. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to repeat what Pastor Mike said last week. Stay in your lane. Find your gift and learn to rely on the other members within this local body. They got you. 
And when we do that, we're going to see God do great things. So as, as I close today, I want to ask you two questions. Two questions simply are this. One, who can I thank? And how can I serve? I want you to be thinking first about this week. Who can you thank for how they serve the body of Christ here? And think about it personally. Who has impacted your life? Who do you, who, who, who has blessed your life as you walked in here on a Sunday? Who serves without recognition and honor, but they faithfully are at their post doing whatever God has called them to do? So this week, pull them aside. Look them in the eyes and simply tell them thank you. Shoot them a text message. Write, write that email. Fill out a card. But let them know, I am thankful for what you do within the body of Christ here at Grace Bible. And secondly, the second question simply is, how can I serve? Each of us has a place and a part to play in the body of Christ here. And if you're a follower of Jesus and you call this place your spiritual home, like God has called you to use your gifts, your talents, and your abilities for the good of others and for the glory of God, you are called to serve. Not all the things, not all the places, but in one place. So I would encourage you to find a place to serve. And you know what? And if you don't know what we offer, you don't know where you could serve, like Mike said last week, just try it. Try one. Literally try something. Take, go online. Go to, go, go, go to our website, gracebiblepa.com. You'll see next steps. There's a spot that says serve. You're able to fill out and say, hey, these are the ministries that we offer right now. And just try one. And, man, and if it doesn't work out, that's fine. We, we are committed to finding a place for each and every person here. Uh, according to your giftedness, according to how God has wired you. But we need you guys. I need you. Just as much as you need us. So that's my challenge for you today. How can I, who can I thank? How can I serve? As I just call the, the, the praise team and the prayer team, up, prayer team up, let me encourage you again. Every believer has a place and a part in the body of Christ, and so do you. So whatever person you were, whether the person that's just wants to be, wants everyone else to be like you. Understand, again, God delights in diversity. For that person who, who feels unworthy and, un, and unwanted, remember that God has placed you exactly where he has you. For the person that thinks that you don't need anyone else, remember God has designed you to be dependent upon others. And we are called to lift and care and honor every member of the body. And lastly, remember, you don't have to do everything. Stay in your lane, find your gift, and serve faithfully here. So why don't we stand, let me pray over you one more time, and then we'll close with one more song. So let's pray. God, Lord, I thank you, Father, for this portion. God, I thank you, God, for just the reminder, God, that, this, the, that the church is your design. The body of Christ is something you created. And you bring people in, God, at the moment of faith in Jesus, God, and you give them gifts for the good of others and for the glory of God. But, God, we're here. God, help us to live out our calling faithfully. God, help us, God, not to be discontent, Lord, with how you have made us, God, but we would, that we would thrive and bloom where we're planted, God, where you have placed us, Father. 
God, and I just pray for our church moving forward, Lord, that our unity and how we function together would be a visible example of the power of the gospel, Lord, the people that are watching. Lord, I truly believe that how we treat each other is probably the best form of evangelism that we have as a church. God, may this be a place where people thrive. May this be a place, God, where people put their needs aside to serve the needs of others. God, may this be a place where your son Jesus is high and lifted up, and we serve others, because God, because you have first served us. God, may each one of us here leave today just with the desire to serve you, Father, with whatever you have gifted us with. God, we love you, God. We love this church. We love these people. And I pray, Lord, that you would work in their hearts today. And ask all these things in the name of the risen Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Grace Bible Church. For more information about our church and our ministries, you can visit gracebiblepa.com.